The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I have a word of encouragement for those of you today who are earnest, believing Christians who seek the Lord with all your heart. Let me pray for you. Almighty God, your mercy is so great, your love and your kindness, it overflows. Almighty God of heaven, I worship you today. And I ask for great encouragement to be sent to every faithful Christian who has made a covenant of sacrifice to serve you and love you and belong to you, Jesus. Almighty God, we've come to the end of the age. We've come to the time when we must stand by faith and obedience, that we must stand and obey every prompting of the Holy Spirit. I pray for each who's listening today who is an earnest, true follower of yours. I plead your blood for them. I plead your provision for them. I plead your healing for them. I rebuke this, this evil virus that has been loosed upon the earth. Lord, I rebuke this virus in the name of Jesus that it would not come against those who are earnest, sincere Christians. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage each brother and sister today. Thank you, mighty God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. 
I have a scripture for those of you who are earnest followers of Jesus. And then the rest of the broadcast will be for those of you who have grown cold, heart of heart, or you've never really made that decision. The fact that you're listening to this broadcast says there is a level of interest in your heart. I've been praying for you much in the last hours, crying aloud to the Lord for you. But first, let me read this word of encouragement from Scripture, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among all the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This word of encouragement God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, comes from Psalm 46. The mercies of God are so great. I praise and worship him today. Now, I have one more passage of Scripture for you as a word of encouragement. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'll begin with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything, to stand. Having done everything, stand. Don't waver. Now we have come to the end of the age. We see it on every hand. I want to take you directly to the words of Jesus. In Matthew, the 23rd chapter, so that you get the context of this presentation that Jesus is going to make to the disciples. He is speaking to the teachers, the Pharisees, the scribes, 
the religious leaders of Israel in his day. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones. Everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus is saying, you look great on the outside, American church. But on the inside, you're full of rotten dead men's bones. The stench of death is about us in America. He goes further. Verse 33. You snakes. You brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore I'm sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue them from town to town. Verse 37. I want you to hear this one. O Jerusalem. O Jerusalem. O Church of Jesus. O Church of Jesus, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He said that to the people of Jerusalem. He was heartbroken. And then we come to the 24th chapter. That's the context of chapter 24. Jesus is leaving the temple where he has just spoken these words. The disciples, frankly, are embarrassed, I believe, by the words Jesus has spoken. And so they call his attention to the beautiful, large temple stones, the buildings of the temple. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And now Jesus walks up the short distance to the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. All of the people were gone. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, chapter 24 is sometimes difficult to understand because Jesus is going to answer two questions. The first question is, when will this happen? When will Jerusalem be destroyed? And secondly, what will be the sign of your coming, of the end of the age? Well, Jerusalem was destroyed in accord with the word that Jesus gave them in A.D. 70 when Titus, the great Roman general, came and even destroyed Masada. A million-plus Jewish people died in the horrendous fire and destruction of Jerusalem. 
Verse 4, watch out that no one deceives you. The great danger we face today is that many of you listening to this broadcast have believed the false teaching that past, present, and future sins were all forgiven at the cross. That's not what happened at the cross. At the cross, the provision was made for sins to be forgiven. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs. These were things that they saw before the destruction of Jerusalem. There were wars and rumors of wars. There were also earthquakes. There were also famines. But these are to be repeated at the end of the age. And they are now being repeated. Now, I received a phone call from one of one of the listeners to this broadcast. And he wanted to know, will the coronavirus settle down? Will it be short-term? I said, that really doesn't matter, does it? He said, why not? Well, because, it's very clear, we've come to the end of the age. And he said, well, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I said, why are you afraid? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to catch this virus and die. I said, and what will happen to you if you catch this virus and die? He said, I'll go to hell. I said, how do you know you'll go to hell? Because I know what the Bible says, and I've not been obedient to the Lord. Well, why haven't you been obedient to the Lord? Well, you know, I like the music at the club. I like a lifestyle that I enjoy. I said, in other words, you know what you're called to do, but you've not done it. Yes, that's true. Well, when are you going to make a decision to do that? Well, they said, I'm, I'm trying my best. Aha! Uh -huh. Did you catch that? He's trying to do his best. In other words, he has not sold out to Jesus. He is trying in his flesh power to do his best, and it will never be good enough. Because Jesus doesn't ask us to do our best. He asks us to be born from above to die and be crucified with him. See, I can't do my best 
and expect to be saved at the end of the ages. This is not a self-help process. It's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's being willing to lay down my life and take up the life of Jesus. It's a decision that I will walk before God in righteousness. I will obey his commands, and I will totally surrender to his will. He says in verse 9, this is chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted, put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. That's happening right now. One of the problems that we face in the American church is that we think we're special. We think that the whole timeline of the coming of Jesus is based on what's happening in America. There's this wicked lie in America that there is going to be a secret rapture. Well, you go to China and tell those precious people who are being killed and murdered, property confiscated, you tell them that they're going to be raptured before they suffer the tribulation. No, they are suffering the tribulation right now. You go to Vietnam, you go to Nigeria. There's genocide against Christians in Nigeria. Don't imagine that this will not come to America. It will come to America. There will be severe persecution of Christians and hatred toward all Christians as we are scapegoated by the incredibly destructive things that God is now going to send upon America. Notice what he says. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. They will teach that you can sin and still go to heaven. They will teach that you can never leave your sin, that you're always going to be a sinner. You see how that degrades the blood of Jesus and the crucifixion and the sacrifice? If he has no power to save you from sin, how can you trust him to save you at the end of time? Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, that word grow cold, I need to give some definition to. In the Greek, it's a verb, and it literally means to breathe gently, to chill slowly, to chill slowly. In other words, what's going to happen is the devil is not going to come with an outright attack. He's going to come subtly. He's going to come breathing gently upon you to chill you, to cause you to be caught up in all the responsibilities of life, to cause you to earnestly seek after your own welfare, your own ambitions, breaks my heart the pastor or the the people the the parents 
as they relate to the children in their congregation or as they relate to your children in your families. You raise them to be very successful professional people. You want the very best education for them. And yet you're simply preparing them for hell because when they're adults, they turn away from the gospel. They have been immersed in a slow chill in your home. Sometimes it takes several generations, but slowly there is a weakening, a turning away. I've been watching it for years. As the children grow up and leave the church. Why? Because mom and dad were more concerned about their successful education and their career choices and their ability to make money and their recreation and their dance lessons and their baseball lessons and their their football. On and on and on not sincere in following after Jesus. I was with one family. I watched as they earnestly talked with their children about reading the Bible. And the children were able to tell them what they had just read, what the story was, what the lesson was. My heart was so Lifted by that, I said to them, You're wonderful parents for Jesus. Because those children, when they grow, they will not turn aside from what the Lord has called them to. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But many of you have been chilled slowly by the devil's breath on you. And now you go to church when it's convenient. You go to church when it works for you. Your children know that it's just one more place where you go. And when you go, the children go and they have their cotton candy machine and they have their their televisions and they have their worldly activities at the church that they engage in, the video games. I sat in one congregation, a mega church. And before the children left for their Sunday school. I watched as the children sat in the service, and instead of standing and singing the gospel songs, instead of bowing their heads for prayer, I saw child after child with his video game in hand, playing the video games. I heard Mom say to one young man, Why don't you put your video game away? And the young man replied, No, this is more exciting. (laughs) Broke my heart. The love of most will grow cold as we come to the end of the age. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That is, to stay under to endure. They will be saved. 
and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The end is upon us. We are now facing the end of our age. Then he begins to talk about what's going to happen before the destruction of Jerusalem. I believe it's also speaking about what's going to happen before the end of days. It will be repeated. I believe the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And according to prophecy, it will become the headquarters of the Antichrist. And the Jewish people are going to have to make a very, very tough choice. Are they going to receive the Antichrist as their Messiah? Or are they going to repent and turn to Messiah Jesus? When you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Well, that did happen. Christians fled when the Roman armies under Titus withdrew for a very short time. They quickly escaped Jerusalem. That was one of the bitter things between Jews and Christians in those early years is that Christians did not die in the destruction of Jerusalem. They escaped because they obeyed the word of the Lord God. Verse 22, In those days they had not been cut short, no one would survive, but the sake of the elect, for those days will be shortened. So we're going to face an awful time of tribulation, of suffering. We're already seeing that now in America and in the world as the world economy is imploding, as it is crashing, and we have seen nothing yet. The worst is by far yet to come. I pray you have been wise and you have provision in your home. I pray that if you have not been wise, that those who follow Jesus will be willing to help you because it's going to become very difficult in America, as it is in the rest of the world. We don't live just in an isolated country anymore, separated by oceans. We now quickly traverse the ocean in liners and in in airplanes and in communication devices. We have come into a one-world system, And that one world government is rising in great power. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. There he is. Do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now Jesus has an opportunity here. He could have told us there will be two comings. One will be a secret rapture when Christians are taken up before the tribulation begins. One will be taken up and the rest will be left behind. 
He could have said that here, but he didn't. Nowhere in Scripture, without twisting the Word of God, is there any true evidence for a secret rapture. Now, I'm saying that to you not to be controversial, but to point out to you that the tribulation has already begun. We are in the tribulation right now. Now, are we in the great tribulation? No, we're in the birth pangs of the great tribulation and the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. Now, if I'm wrong, and tomorrow we're all secretly raptured, I'll rejoice. But don't don't make the mistake of thinking you know that there is a secret rapture, therefore you can put off the things you need to do to walk honestly and earnestly with Jesus. There is no second chance. This is a one-way ticket out. If you don't take it, you don't get a second chance. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. When the vultures begin to circle, do you know why? It means that something is dying or is dead already. He's saying, when Jesus is about to come, there will be many dead. The vultures will circle. We're seeing that right now. Nations are saying, we don't have enough crematorians to burn the bodies. Italy is saying, bodies are piling up. We don't know where to put them. We can't dispose of them fast enough. Now he says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, that is the last sign before the coming of Jesus. Jesus comes after those heavenly bodies are shaken and the sun doesn't shine. The moon doesn't shine. And then we will see Jesus, the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Oh, I want to hear that great trumpet sound. My ears are tuned constantly for the great trumpet. I want that to happen now. But he says, No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And now in verse 36, he begins to describe in detail the final events of earth's history. And you will quickly see that we are in that time right now. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, Up to the day Noah entered the ark, 
and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, as a little boy, I used to read this, and I'd say to my daddy, Daddy, does this mean we should stop eating? Does this mean we shouldn't drink any more water? Does this mean we can't get married, that I'll never get married? My daddy would say no. He would say, Raymond, what this means is that everybody was just living their normal life, going about their business, doing what they had been doing before. Well, what are they doing? Going out to eat? Parties? Nothing wrong. Just normal life. Couples getting married. Women saying yes to men. Getting married, giving in marriage. In other words, it was a normal day. There was no way they could have told in Noah's day that the flood was going to come the next morning. They didn't know that. Noah had been preaching for years, inviting people to come, but they laughed at him. No, everything's going to continue as it has always been. Don't worry. Be happy. Jesus is saying that when he comes again, this is how people are going to be behaving. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. So two men working on the farm, working with the livestock. One will be taken and one will be left. One will be saved and one will be lost. Which will you be? Two women will be grinding with a handmill. Two women will be working to make dinner. One will be taken and one will be left. One will be saved and one will be lost. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will return. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. There's not going to go a great cry that says, Jesus is coming tomorrow morning. It's not going to happen. Suddenly the sky is going to break open and the mighty God of heaven is going to descend and those who are going to go with him will meet him in the air and we will dwell with him forever. Now, there's another passage of Scripture we need to look at. This is found in Luke 21, verse 23. 
How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken prisoners to all the nations. That's exactly what happened to the Jewish people. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The time of the Gentiles has been fulfilled, and Israel has been restored to its land. May of 1945. Now he says, and this is for the second coming of Jesus, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. In the scriptures and Revelation, other places, the Daniel, the roaring and the tossing of the sea is the roaring and the tossing of people, of nations. He's saying... Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. In other words, the people are all going to be in an uproar. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 34. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. In other words, get hold of your mind so that your thoughts and your feelings don't overwhelm you. Watch, don't give yourself to heartache and sorrow. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Can you stand today before Jesus, made righteous by the shed blood, no longer walking in sin? It's time to stop all sin, to turn aside and to say, I will not go that way again. Some of you, are tossing in the sea of evil and wickedness of your own lust, of your own heart. You are not saved. You are in grave danger. This has come down to the beginning of the birth pangs for the coming of our Lord Jesus. How do you stand? The hour is upon us. If I were to turn and read this very familiar passage to you. By the way, 
I'm not trying to comfort you today. I've been shocked, dismayed by the national pastors that I've heard. I won't name them. I've been shocked by their their words of comfort to tell the people in America, don't be afraid. We'll get through this. No, we won't. No, we won't. Many are going to die. Tell their family and relatives if everything's okay, they're going to get through it all right. They're not going to get through it all right. They're going to be crushed with sorrow. I'm not here to comfort you with with words that are sentimental. I'm here to say to you, there's only one place that you're safe, and that is to flee to Jesus Christ, to repent of your sin, and say, I must have Jesus. He is my refuge and my strength. What shall we say then? Romans 6, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? The young man that I told you about earlier today in the broadcast has not been baptized into the death of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has not come and entered into him. He is not He is not walking righteously before God. He still wants to only confess as much as necessary to comfort his heart so that he can continue having one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. I said to him, you must make a decision. You must leave your sin. We were therefore buried with him through baptism baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This is not water baptism. This is Holy Spirit baptism. This is being born from above. That comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not self-help. You don't do the best you can do and expect to get through. You'll not make it through. The signs of the end of the age are upon us. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, vile wickedness, bestiality, every form of perversion. We're facing every kind of famine, locusts, consuming a third of the earth's crops. Already they're saying the delivery chains for food, they've been broken. And that what we're having now was grown earlier. But the lines of delivery have been broken. The farms have been inundated with water. 
and again coming this next weekend. They're telling us there's going to be horrific snow and rain through the plains, through Iowa, through Indiana. The corn, the wheat, we're going to face famine. I went to a Wegmans grocery store. I was shocked by what I saw. Many shelves were empty as people were there scrambling, trying to get some supplies. If America is locked down as President Trump is expecting until sometime in late summer, I think it will be much worse than that. Some scientific people are saying we can expect a year of lockdown. Do you understand? Do you have a year's worth of food in your house? Could you survive? I said to one woman, your job is ending tonight. Your store is closing. What are you going to do for money? She said to me, Oh, I've got $30,000 of credit line on credit cards. I'll just use my credit cards. But what if the credit cards don't work anymore? What if there is a collapse of our economy? Are you going to eat your credit card? I don't mean to be facetious, but do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, pastor, you're supposed to tell us, don't be afraid. No, I'm telling you, you better be very afraid if you are not grounded in Jesus Christ, if you have not confessed your sins, if you have not walked in obedience to the Almighty God, you better be terrified because very difficult times are ahead for America. This is a judgment from God upon this nation and upon the world. But in America, it's also because we have murdered 60 million babies. Abortion is bringing the judgment of God on this nation. We are not free to decide for ourselves what we want to do and what we don't want to do. God is the one who sets the rules. We thought that we could live any way we chose, and the good times would roll. But did you know that the good times America has enjoyed in these last years was because of prior generations who walked faithfully and righteously before an almighty God? And in his patience, he has given us time to repent. But now the judgments are coming. And these judgments will not be lifted until America repents. Yes, I stand by faith, and I'll pray in a moment, rebuking the virus, rebuking famine. But, oh, I want to tell you, the God I serve 
will not turn aside his judgments until America repents. I was very proud of our American president for calling for a day of fasting and prayer. He was right on. But we cannot simply ask God to remove the plague, the pestilence. That's not enough. It must be accompanied by honest, heartbroken sorrow for our sin. And we must turn from our sin. As a nation, as individual people, we must turn from our sin. You now are going to have a great deal of time on your hands. What are you going to do with that time? I asked one Christian man that question. He said, well, I have lots of projects to do. I said, stop. You need to get on your face and repent and get right with Jesus. You call yourself a Christian, but you don't read the word. You've not spent time in intercessory prayer. I know this because I've talked with him. My brother, my sister, let's pray. Almighty God, I pray for the faithful, those who are earnest, those who love you with all of their hearts. I pray for those today who have made a covenant with you to walk in holiness, who are obedient to your word. I pray, Lord, that any pride that is in their heart, any hardness that's in their heart, you'll unveil it to them. Any area of their life that is still not consistent with you, Jesus, I ask that you would unveil that to them quickly and cause them as well to repent. But, O oh Lord, those who, those who have made that covenant by sacrifice, who have given their life up for you, who have been born from above, who have been crucified with you, Lord God, put your arms around and protect and guard them and carry them through financially, physically, spiritually, and cause great rejoicing in the hearts of men and women who know you. Lord, those today who are on the fence, who are still playing with you and with the devil, those, Lord, who have known the truth but have not submitted their heart to you, have not humbled their heart before you, Lord, would you humble them? Would you draw their hearts to you, Jesus? Oh, Lord, there are precious people that I love who do not walk in obedience to you. Some Muslims who don't know you even, instead they follow after this wicked Muhammad and this moon god Allah. Lord, would you save them? Would you turn their hearts to you, Jesus Will you give them revelation of who you are? And Lord, I pray for those who have murdered their babies. 
I pray you will come and cause them to repent with tears before your throne, and I ask that they would experience your full forgiveness and restoration. Oh, Jesus, I pray for the people of this nation, and I rebuke in the name of Jesus the the virus that is destroying lives and businesses. But, Lord, let it accomplish its purpose. Mighty God, come with power. Turn the hearts of people toward repentance and toward heaven, toward you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. On Wednesday evening, we'll have a meeting at my home. It'll be a small gathering, not a large gathering. You're welcome to come if you need prayer and you're earnest about repenting and getting right with Jesus. Or if you need to be encouraged with brothers and sisters, you're welcome to come. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Or you can just Google National Prayer Chapel and the map for where we are for Wednesday evening's meeting at 7.30 will pop up. Also Sundays from 10 until noon. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm very concerned for you. I'm praying for you. I'm lifting you up before the throne of God. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.